I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm okay and hoping we don't kicked out of this room. Ah, well, don't let that affect this wonderful podcast. We've got this room for for only 10 more minutes, but we need more. We need so more. So let's see how this works out. Could be the shortest podcast ever <laughs> from the pop shop. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got big chart news to discuss about the Jonas Brothers and Drake. Plus, we'll be chatting about Taylor Swift's new song, You Need to Calm Down, and its star-studded music video. Plus, our initial reactions to Madonna's new album, Madam X. Hmm. Couldn't get through an episode. We're talking about Madonna. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okie dokie. Let's talk about some charts. I hear that we have some. I think we do, Keith. Uh, I feel like that's your job. It's all about, it sure is. Uh, it's all about happiness on the Billboard 200 albums chart as the Jonas Brothers' new album, Happiness Begins, begins at number one. Oh, man. With the biggest week of the year. Uh, the set starts with 414,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending June 13th, according to Nielsen Music. And of that sum, 357,000 were in album sales. Uh, Both sums actually represent the largest weeks of the year for any album, of course, both in units and in sales. And the album is the pop trio's first studio album since 2009, uh, when they released Lines, Vines, and Trying Times, which also debuted at number one. They had some albums in between there, like like a Jonas L.A. soundtrack, Mm. like a live album, but this is like their first proper studio album i feel like we we assumed or thought that they probably would uh debut at number one but right was it surprising how big the debut was i mean being like the biggest week of the year and the biggest pop album since oh i'm jumping ahead but I'm yeah not sure if you say biggest pop album since taylor swift's reputation 
well, that is correct. <laughs> it is. It has the biggest week for a pop album since uh, Taylor Swift's reputation. I read your article. You did. <laughs> you might even be reading the script and as well. Um, so, uh, well, it, let's back up just a skosh. Okay. So the album Happiness Begins also has the largest week for any album since last October when Little Wayne's The Carter Five started with 480,000 units, and that was on the October 13th chart. Um, and uh, Happiness's Sales Week is the biggest for any album since Taylor Swift's reputation started with 1.22 million copies sold back in December of 2017. Um, now, it's also the biggest week for a pop album since Taylor Swift's reputation. Right, we're talking about units, not just sales alone. Right, so... Well, um, right. So overall, it's the biggest for a pop album since uh, Taylor Swift's. And that, and when we say pop, we mean um, uh, something that is uh, uh, not hip hop. I'm gonna or, say not falling into one of our other genre charts, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think we, I mean we knew that it was going to be big. Um, we didn't have a forecast story about this last week on Billboard.com, but I mean, we have been hearing, at least I've been hearing, sort of from folks, folk ha- forecasters, prognosticators, mm-hmm. that it was going to be big. Um, I think we were hearing like below 400, but like above 350. But then uh, the Jonas Brothers had a ticket bundle in play mm-hmm. for their arena tour. And there's like more than 60 dates that they had the bundle attached to. And so when you have like 60 dates and they're all playing between like 12 and 15, 18,000 people, that's a whole lot of sales that you can possibly, that's a whole lot of bundles. It's a whole lot of sales that you can generate from that offer. So um, much in the same way where, you know, we've talked in previous shows about, you know, really robust sales figures that have been assisted by these bundles, say, you know, Pink's Beautiful Trauma album or Kenny Chesney's Live in No Shoes Nation or Backstreet Boys earlier this year with DNA. DNA Um, You know, that really helps. So, um, yeah, but still, big week. Big. Um, Big week. It was also the most streamed album of the week. You know, know, sometimes some album will be number one on the Billboard 200 but may not necessarily be the most streamed album, but it was also the album that had the most streams generated. Joe Bros are back. They're back. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about it, but they had like a number one hit on the Hot 100. They also had that. Their first number one ever. So this isn't just like some weird random fluke. No. This was was setting up to be a big deal in the first place. Absolutely. Um, Meanwhile, over on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Oh, wait, before I move on. um, I thought you skipped a part there. Yeah, I was going to say, um, if you want even more Joe Bro facts, go read my story on Billboard.com. And uh, in that same story, you will find other information about the other four debuts that happened in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 this week. Santana, Luke Combs, Future, and Polo G all debut in the top 10. Uh, so big week for new albums. A lot albums. of action. A lot of action. A lot of uh, chart action, as, <laughs> as some say. Uh, there's my chart radio voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Uh, guess who? Little Nas X. Uh, he's still number one for an 11th week with Old Town Road featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. How long will this be number one? Well, I don't know. 
you can vote in a poll over on billboard.com if you'd like to. Did you, did you, is that, is <laughs> we that the did that last you, week and it's still there? It stays open, yeah. And our options are be, between 10, which was last week, and obviously now it got to 11. Right. So don't vote for 10 if you go to that poll. Yeah, you're going to get it wrong. Vote for 11 or up. And then the options go up to 16 or 17 plus, I should say, because the record is 16. So, uh, uh, between one between sweet, two songs, between one, uh, one sweet day by Boyz to Men and Mariah Carey and uh, Despacito. By Luis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee, and Justin Bieber. Yeah, it kind of feel well. We'll we'll get to we'll get to something in just a second that maybe has a shot hmm. at being number one. Yes, we will. Yeah, but seems like right now it ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, we've got that settled. But let's talk about how there's a debut in the top ten on the Billboard Hot 100. Chris Brown's "No Guidance" featuring Drake debuts straight in at number nine um the song i think was released on june 7th so i think it was released on the first day of the sales and streaming tracking week it also begins at number four on our streaming songs chart and at number nine on our digital song sales chart uh it's the 15th top 10 for chris brown on the hot 100 and wait for it the 34th top 10 for drake and that ties him with the beatles Yes, the Beatles, hmm. for the second most top 10s ever on the Hot 100 chart. Um, fun fact, Katie? Yes. <laughs> I wasn't like, Katie, listen to yes. me. Yes. Um, the Beatles accumulated their first 32 top 10s between 1964 and 1970. So basically like six years, yeah. right? Uh, 64, wait, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, like six years. Um, and then they basically broke up yeah and then not basically yeah they did okay (laughs) then they added one more top 10 in 1976 i think it was a a reissue or maybe it was the first time the single came out forgot to get you into my life i think that's when it came out and i think it was tied to um, something i don't remember what the exact thing was i don't have in my notes and then they got another top 10 their final so far top 10 in 1996 with Free, Free as a as bird. bird. Free as a Bird from the first anthology uh, album. It was the first new song from the Beatles uh, in forever. Yeah. Uh, and it was famously the one where they took an old John Lennon uh, cassette tape um, that he had in their archive somewhere and uh, put new instrumentation and vocals from the rest of the band. The Living Beatles. Living Beatles. At the time. So now as for Drake, he got his first top 10 hit in 2009. So... 10 years ago. Yeah. And last year alone, Drake got 13 top 10s. Wow. A lot of them were from his Scorpion album. Yeah. And three of those were number ones. Uh, God's Plan, Nice for What, and In My Feelings. So, you know, the Beatles got more at a quicker pace. Drake, though probably got like more I mean, in like a concentrated amount of time within that decade yeah and, and it's interesting because you know people are very quick to say oh you it's very hard to compare the 1960s versus now when we have streaming and you don't need like a official single anymore and it's also all that jazz. also drake has been a featured artist on a lot of song and songs and that was not typical in the 60s as well like the beatles weren't jumping on a rolling stone song or whatever right and you know i bet it had you know, I mean, if we could go back in time and say, oh, if like streaming and digital downloads and you could just buy any song you wanted existed in the 1960s, mm-hmm. um, 
I think we'd probably be on like, you know, hundreds of top tens for the yes. Beatles. Right. You know, I mean, I think that's the same thing if you looked at Michael Jackson or Madonna or Barbara or Janet or, you know, name whoever it was, Whitney in the 80s, they would probably have dozens more top tens, top 40 hits. As you said earlier today, it's not like when the box office is adjusted for inflation. It's yeah. like there's so many more factors that you can't, you literally can't figure out. Yeah. You know, you can't compare apples to oranges as they say yeah i mean the the it's just the chart works so differently now and um you know so a lot of these records are going to disappear for the like legacy <sighs> artists and that's just how it's got to be sorry the beatles and sorry madonna well, yeah, who we, we, drake has in her sights or in his sights yeah so as katie says the record for the most top tens on the hot 100 uh, as astute followers of me and katie should know if you've watched my interview with Madonna backstage at the Billboard Music Awards where I quoted this statistic to her, Madonna has the most top tens on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. She is the only person or act ahead of the Beatles and Drake. She has 38 top tens. It seems like, and I mean, I kind of figured this like when Rihanna and Drake were racking up so many top tens like a couple years ago, I'm like, all right, Madonna's record's going to fall. It's just a matter of time. I mean, and records were meant to be broken. And it feels like... Katie Drake could do it sooner than we thought yeah basically the next time he releases an album or he could do it like in the next few weeks for all we know oh my goodness because why well he has a couple new songs because you don't say (laughs) because evidently he's on a basketball team um basically and here's me hunting and searching for the chunk that I wrote about Drake (laughs) and it's not there I know. I was. Wait. This is so funny. I I like looked to Katie. I'm like, Katie, here's your part about Drake. And then I'm like, Wait, I didn't put it into the script. Don't worry, but I'm prepared. I have it right here in front of me. <laughs> I, this is why Katie seemed like she wasn't. I'm, I'm like, What are you prompting me for? <laughs> what are you right prompting now? for? The next thing on our list is something uh, else. Oh dear. Well, um, as Keith said, uh, in addition <laughs> to No Guidance, a week ago, uh, there is more Drake music that uh, fans can enjoy. With the Toronto Raptors taking home their first NBA championship last week. Drake delivered on his promise of new music in the wake of the win, delivering the two-song Best in the World pack early Saturday morning. Don't call it a Don't single. Don't call it an EP. Because it's, it's two not. Songs. It's just two songs. It's a, it's a two-song uh, pack. The two songs were Omerta. I might be saying that wrong. It's got a backward accent on the A. Omerta? Sure. And the Rick Ross-assisted Money in the Grave. And it seems like Omerta is garnering the most conversation because he seemingly pokes, you know, new jabs at uh, Pusha T in their long-running feud. Oh. Um, Saying a line like, you know, he told on me, talking about, like, telling the world that that Drake had a son. Oh. That he wasn't public about. Right, that. That, so. (laughs) And it feels, and, and that seems like the song that's a little bit newer sounding. Right, I would I would say that's true. Because the other one, there, I guess there's lyrics in it that seem like it was probably maybe recorded a you little know, bit ago. You know, it's funny, too, because when he took kind of the full day, the, the Raptors won the NBA championship on Thursday last week. And so when he didn't immediately drop music, I'm thinking like, oh, is he going to be putting in lyrics about like, you right, know, play Raptors. by play from the game, <laughs> right. like Kawhi Leonard being MVP. It's going to get you know, some like, of the Raptors as a guest star on the track. Exactly. Any number of things that he could have done. Like, um, and instead he put out these two songs that are just like Drake songs. 
they kind of have nothing to do with the team. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, but he gave them his gifts. Two the, new songs. The least amount of work possible. Exactly. So we'll see where those end up on the charts next As, week. as Drake slaps us virtually <laughs> through like the here, interwebs. Here's a couple more songs, Here's guys. just more songs. I've just got them all <laughs> sitting around. just doesn't matter what I put out there. It's just going to be a hit. Um, yeah. So, well, so those songs, I mean, could one of those songs possibly contend for number one next week and knock out Little Nas X? Or maybe Taylor Swift's new song. Hey, speaking of Taylor Swift, she has a new song. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she put out a brand new song called You Need to Calm Down last Friday. Um, and then she released a crazy star-studded music video on Monday via Good Morning America. Um, yeah, Keith and I have both watched this video. It's It dropped on Monday morning. Uh, Swift co-directed the video, and it features a delightful cameo from Katy Perry, as well as... Ellen DeGeneres, the cast of Queer Eye, RuPaul, Haley Kiyoko, Ryan Reynolds, Sierra, oh, I didn't even Adam see Lambert. Sierra. Oh yeah, she officiated the wedding between. Uh, oh, she did. Yeah, oh, I didn't even see Adam Lambert. You I didn't. Did. He no. was giving the tattoo to Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, I, f- I just focused on Ellen. Oh, that's so funny. Adam was the tattoo it's, artist. It's one of those videos where you have to watch it <laughs> clearly repeatedly. And uh, if you need help, Billboard.com has a gallery of. Every, Every cameo, person. yes, broken down. I mean, there so, could be like random people that are in the background that are somewhat important. Yeah, we might have missed people. I hope we didn't. We were pretty complete. I cut you it. off. You were going to continue. There's well, more okay. Um, let's see. I stopped at Adam Lambert, Dexter Mayfield, Laverne Cox, Chester Lockhart, Todrick Hall, Adam Rapon, Billy Porter, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and more. There's some of the people I actually don't recognize their names. Oh, well, there's like some YouTube stars and Dexter Mayfield and Chester Lockhart. Dexter Mayfield is the uh, the big. The big uh, dancer guy. Uh-huh. And then Chester Lockhart was a guy. He's like blonde. I'm not sure what he's famous Are, well, I mean, oh, okay. They're... Dexter is a dancer. Okay. Chester Lockhart. Sorry, Chester. It's okay. We're, um, we're, we're discovering some. It's okay. We're discovering people from this video that Taylor made. It's okay. He's an actor and a recording artist. All right, then. <laughs> okay, so a lot goes down in this video. I honestly, I started trying to like write out everything that happens. But like, let me just give you some quick hits here. Okay. Um. There's Taylor having a tea party with the Queer Eye guys, all five. Haley Kiyoko shooting a bow and arrow. She shoots an arrow into the number five, which seems to have some significance to the album. With the opening scenes of the video, they're shot from overhead on um, place settings or what it looks like place settings of like a tea set and some cups. And there's five items in it. So people are guessing that the fifth song on the album is going to be significant. Apparently, and I didn't realize this, I, I feel like... Such a like a waste of a Taylor fan reading all these in-depth theories because people are like going all in. But apparently, she's known for her fifth song in her albums being like a very emotional song. Oh, and that from her previous releases, so they think that that's going to be like this key song on the album, and that's why she's pointing to the number five. But we don't know; it could be something else all all together. She had five, didn't she have like five fence posts? She in, posted in a tweet last week about there being five posts in the fence. Oh man, <laughs> it's a lot to be a Taylor fan right now. Yeah, but it's probably also super fun to be a, like oh, a yes. crazy Taylor fan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she's leaving lots of hints everywhere she goes. Mm. Um, so then we have Adam Rippon, the, of course, the uh, Olympic ice skater, selling snow cones. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jesse Tyler Ferguson marrying his real-life husband, Justin Makita, with Sierra officiating, th- as the, she does. Thanks for the cl- clarification. <laughs> then there is a host of RuPaul's Drag Race alums dressed as pop stars, including, let me give the full list, and Keith knows Drag Race, uh, but I was gonna say better than I do, but I don't know it at all. So like that's not even so it's correct. There's Trinity to the Tuck as Lady Gaga. Yes. Uh, Delta work as Adele, and Delta has done Adele in front of Adele, <laughs> like at an Adele concert. That's incredible, which is hilarious. 
Um, Akira C. Davenport is Nicki Minaj. Adore Delano is Katy Perry. Uh, Tatiana is Ariana Grande. Um, uh, Trinity K. Bonet is Cardi B. And uh, Jay Jolie, uh, Jesse. Did Jay Jolie get a last name? Yeah, according to our gallery. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always just knew of Jay Jolie as Jay Jolie, as Taylor Swift and herself. And when you watch the video and it cuts to this scene, it's this line of, you know, ladies. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on. And, and then, you think it's Taylor. And I, I was like, oh, Taylor. I'm yep. like, Taylor, you look different. And I'm like, wait. I'm like, oh my God, it's Jay Jolie. Cause, but she looks. She's wearing one of Taylor's iconic like sequin rompers. Yeah, and it's it's one of those iridescent sequin uh-huh. things that's very like, oh, that's a Taylor. Taylor's outfit. literally worn that before. And I'm like, but you look different. She's oh, got the bangs. She's got the oh. ponytail. And I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> this is like cute. And then RuPaul shows up with yep. a crown. You know, throws the crown in the air. So like, she doesn't have to like crown in any single one exactly, of them because they all have crowns. Because they're all queens, guys. Get it? Get it? <laughs> Okay, then the final scene, which is, of course, what got a lot of headlines, sees Katy Perry showing up in her Met Gala hamburger costume, locking eyes with Taylor in a French fry costume across a room during a food fight between the drag queens, and then the hamburger and the French fries embrace and end their years-long beef, quote-unquote. And and become a happy meal. And become a happy meal. That's Taylor. That's Taylor's (laughs) own caption on Tumblr. (laughs) She said, a happy meal. Oh, so like I said, I'm breathless from listening to that, and that's not even everything. Like, I didn't, Ryan Reynolds is in the video. I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, There's uh, Hannah Hart, I think, is a YouTube star. She's an actress, YouTube star. She's she's weightlifting a boombox. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course, Todrick. Uh, he executive produced the video with Taylor, and he dances and walks throughout the video with Taylor. Todrick's oh. who's like with her, like arm in arm. Oh, I got confused because I because I think that Dexter person was dancing next to her, and I'm like, that's not Todrick. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, that's Dexter. That's what I just learned. <laughs> right. But when you, I well, I need to. Well, okay. Did I, did I get all the big ones? It's a video that requires repeat watching, which yes. is clearly why it was designed. It's interesting that she chose um, this video to combine the message of, I mean, the very overt message, because the song is overtly. Uh, I mean, if you if you thought the song was just sort of um, acknowledging. Uh, hmm. LGBTQ like just slipping glad in there right if you thought like oh it's just sort of like a hat tip and it can be kind of like seen as both ways you know it's like a sort of a universal message then you watch the video you're like oh no she's all in on this I mean her hair at one oh, point yeah. is like three different colors that is possibly people were saying it's the colors of the uh, bisexual pride flag okay. which I was not familiar with until I read an article breaking down all the various hints is that true I mean I looked up the bi flag uh-huh. yes after that and oh. it is true so Taylor's hair colors at one point so if you if you then but then after all this Katy Perry shows up which is not really relating to any of the LGBTQ. It's more along the lines in. of the like Twitter trolling hate right, aspect it's like, let's, of it. Right. It's about, you know, just calm down, like stop screaming at people. Just And she's probably speaking to herself as well. You need to calm down, like you probably shouldn't have gotten so upset about the dancer drama, you know, six years ago or whatever. Yeah. You know? Like it's a I'm here's something I'm surprised about. Um, there's either, I feel like there's like too many directions we could go down talking about this song and this video. But one thing I am surprised about is when it was originally mentioned that Katie might be in the video, I thought, no, that's not how Taylor and Katie are going to do this like resolution. I feel like they'll, they'll do like a song together. That's like a joint song because the idea of 
Katie just popping up in a Taylor video, it doesn't feel like it's on like even like an even playing field or something. Yeah, it felt like is this is this really the correct venue? I yeah, like I I would have liked to have seen them like perform together at like a live event for the first time. Who or, knows? They're, they're, that could still happen. I mean, the VMAs are on the horizon but, I mean, in August. Also, Taylor's been down that road before when her and Nicki Minaj, you know... She's done it that way. She, she's she's like, look, we'll, we'll do it this way. It's just an interesting way to do it after... I mean, this is like a really long, simmering, like, bad Beef. blood. I mean, I mean for God's you know? sakes, you, you made a song about it. Yeah, And then exactly. Katie made Swish Swish about it. Yeah. And, like... Everything. So it should have been resolved in song, is what I'm saying. It started in song. It should end in song. <laughs> if only this could have happened before the Billboard Awards. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do want to go down one other avenue. Can I just ask you, like, you know, I feel like I've read a sh- like I've, I was going to say shit, shit ton. ton. I've read a shit ton on Twitter. Just like people arguing over like whether it's a good look for her as an ally to be doing this. Like, is Pride Month about Taylor Swift? I feel like her heart is in the right place. Right. But I see how this could be interpreted as being possibly opportunistic. Yes. It's, you have to be very careful about that, though. And I think the whole Pride Month is a month where people's motives are questioned. Yeah. But it's hard to question the sort of the purity of the kind of you know motivation behind it with Taylor because she has been outspoken in the past. I think that's going to happen. The net good is probably like outweighs any like sort of worry about where what the motivation came from. You know what I mean? Like I, there's like an uptick in glad donations and there are Taylor Swift fans around the the world. I mean, ta- Taylor Swift has Taylor who Swift might need this message. Taylor yes, Taylor Swift has been BFFs BFFs with Ellen DeGeneres for a very long time. She's been on the show so many times. She's had a long history with Todrick Hall. Yes, the people in the video were, are not like weird. She's like been friends with Sierra for a while. Like there's yes, yeah, I agree so, with that. So so I think I think as a whole, you know, if you add it all together, it's Yes, it makes total sense. Yeah. But I think there could be some folks that could be very quick to be like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. Like, but Maybe I mean, she's they like, need to "Calm down." She's yeah, exactly. She's like, "You need to calm down." <laughs> Get off my gown. She's like, "It's Pride Month. Why can't we celebrate?" <laughs> oh. Like, come on, guys. Oh. Okay. okay. I mean, should we talk about Madonna? Um. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, so Madonna's 14th studio album, Madam X, has officially arrived. Um, you 13. don't say. Yes, it's here. I mean, we have been talking about this for a while. When did Medellin come out? Medellin. I know I don't Medellin. say it right. I, I say it the American I'm English way. Say, uh, it was a April. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a few months that we've been chatting, and yeah. and here it is. It's arrived. Um, the 13 track project includes collaborations with, as we mentioned, Medellin uh, with Maluma. And Quavo and Sway Lee and Anita, and it spans genres and styles from trap to reggaeton to dance and beyond, which makes sense given the many personas that Madonna teased in the lead up to the Madam X release. Madam X is everyone. She's everything. She's she's every woman. <laughs> it's all in her. Um, so, Keith, you've been awaiting this album. Uh, like, now you've gotten to appreciate it as a whole project. Like, let's talk about it. What are you thinking? Um, oh, so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of roads we can go down here, too. It's interesting. We don't normally get into, like, discussions about sort of, like, full albums on this show, yeah. necessarily. But because this is Madonna. Yes. Um, And because, you know, 
I like her, mm-hmm. then of course I'm going to have some thoughts. I'm not going to try to fall into a rabbit hole here. So we'll have to dial me back in it in just a moment. Okay. I feel it's okay. So full disclosure, I actually heard some tracks from the album a, a while ago, mm-hmm. but I could Under not lock and key. Yeah, I could not. I could not say anything. Um, I didn't have the album. I had to go listen to it somewhere, but I didn't hear the whole thing. And I remember my initial impression was, and I heard that was when I heard Medellin for the first time. And I was kind of like, huh, that's, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And that was actually my initial reaction to a lot of the songs. There were some songs where I'm like, this is really cool, Mm -hmm. but it's still kind of weird. I'm like, well, that's what I want from Madonna. Yeah. I want cool, but also weird because you want her to kind of be trying to think outside the box and a little bit. And move pop music forward. Right. So um, I, I heard those songs, not that many, but enough to kind of form an opinion of this is going to be kind of a weird, eclectic, possibly super interesting album. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't hear anything except after that except the five songs she released leading up to the album Medellin Crave I Rise uh, Dark Ballet and then the other one which I forget oh Future with Quavo yeah and that kind of gives you sort of this cross-section of tracks but still you need to listen to the whole thing yeah um, because there are certain songs over the weekend that I were that was playing on repeat yeah then I'm like all right these are the ones I really really like but it's just because those were the easiest ones for me to digest really quick Mm -hmm. because I also really like Madonna's dance songs Mm -hmm. um so as some on social media have said Madonna's you know given the gays what they want um (laughs) because there are some dancey songs on here but even the dancey songs are like unconventional and kind of weird Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she has a song called God Control, which starts off as this, as this weird sort of like chanting, like, you know, song about ostensibly gun control. Mm-hmm. Then it turns into like a disco banger. <laughs> and then there's another song uh, called I Don't Search, I Find, which is hilarious if you try to ask your home speaker to play it for you, because it's just like, what are you trying to find? Uh, I'm like, Mm-mm. which is it's another uptempo dance song. And it, it it reminded me of songs uh, from her uh, music album and from her Ray of Light album where she would take kind of lyrics that were cryptic and kind of let you do the thinking of where she's going with the track. Mm. Um, as a whole, I've already found like a clutch of tracks that I am repeating. Yeah. Um, at least half of the album I'm really into. And then the other half is like, sort of like weird different eclectic interesting so i'm a good like the only way i've consumed it now is one all the way through listen Uh and it is a good just one crazy listen (laughs) yeah it's 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 all over the place but i still feel like it's very thoroughly madonna all the way through yeah but i feel like you could play it at a dinner party and people wouldn't think it got stale you know what i mean like it's one artist album typically you wouldn't just like let it let it play you were saying earlier um one of our co-workers was playing it next door Mm -hmm. and at one point you did what i didn't know who it was (laughs) and it was like what the hell are we listening to and you're like madonna and then it transitioned i think into a song i recognized or heard her voice or something and i was like oh Oh. this is the new madonna album i get it like i literally started listening to it not knowing what i was listening to yeah so anyways lots of thoughts on madonna there's sort of the short version do you think that there's a chance that madame x could be number one on your billboard 200 next week 
There's always a chance. <laughs> yes. Um, I have no information at this point. Right. But, um, what else came out? Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen is the big thing that came out. Um, always does well on albums. Yeah. So, and you know, who knows? I mean, there could always be an album that drops between now and Thursday. Yeah, who that knows? Could, that could sort of... I mean, Drake's just out there looming with his two-song packs. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> it's time for the chart stat of the week. Okay, so 25 years ago this week, a former opening act for Madonna, the Beastie Boys, yes, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with Ill Communication. Did you see that tour? The Virgin tour? Yeah, with the Beastie Boys? No. I didn't think so. No, I was probably a little bit young mm. to, to go to a tour. Finally, I found something where I was too young <laughs> to do it. Um, Ill Communication bowed atop the Billboard 200 dated June 18th, 2004, and spent... No, 1994. Sorry, not 2004. Yes. 1994. And spent one week at number one. Um, it was the Rap Trio's first number one since 1987's License to Ill. And uh, that spent seven weeks at number one. Uh, after Ill Communication, uh, Beastie Boys would notch two more number ones. Hello Nasty in 1998 and To the Five Burrows in 2004. Uh, Ill Communication launched uh, familiar favorite tracks like Root Down, Sure Shot, and Get It Together, but it's probably best remembered for the hit single, Sabotage, and its music video. Did you hear the story behind Sabotage that the guys just told in their like new book? Uh, maybe? They, they revealed that the song was written about their um, sound engineer at the time. Because they, he was always trying to like get the f out of the studio and was like, yeah, this sounds good, we're fine, it's done. And they were always trying to get like the best take, the best everything. And so they like accused him of basically sabotaging their music. Oh. And so they wrote the song, but like didn't tell him that that's what it was about. Like they wrote the song as like a subtle, like you know, cryptic dig at their sound engineer. Wow. Yeah. I did see a clip where uh, they were talking about how. Uh, they just sort of came up with a dun 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 like the, the guitar riff, and no, they and they were just like jamming, and that's that's how the song came about. It just sort of came from a jam session. I heard it recently on the radio, and I'm like, man, it's got like it's it feels like a Rage Against the Machine song or something. Yeah, with that like a Beastie sort of Boys with, song. with that chugging it's, guitar. It's a Tom Morello guitar mm-hmm. line, is what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's a great track. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so um, good. So Sabotage hit the top 20 on the Alternative Songs chart and was nominated for a Grammy Award. While the video was a staple on MTV, if you existed in 1994 and watched MTV, you saw this video yes. constantly. Yes. Um, it was nominated, well, it, the clip, which spoofed 70s cop shows like The Streets of San Francisco and Starsky and Hutch, um, it generated five MTV Video Music Award nominations, but I don't actually think it won any of them. That's wild. Yeah, well, you know, things are strange. What do you think won Video Ooh. of the Year that year? So just look up 1994 VMA's Wiki, and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll I'll trust Wiki. We'll go down this rabbit hole. 1994. Oh, wait, I think I actually know the answer, so okay. you should probably guess before well, you get I'm there. Well, I'm going to just look it up. Oh, you do know the answer? I do, because I, I read Did it earlier. Did you just look this up? No, no, no. I remember reading something What earlier. is it? It's Aerosmith's Crying. That's correct. Which was a huge video 
great. Yeah, one of the Alicia uh, Alicia Silverstone ones, right? It was, yeah, it was the first one. Yeah. And then that was the first of three because she was then in Crazy and Amazing. Mm. And it made Alicia Silverstone a star. And it was up against Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., another Man. classic video, and Nirvana's Heart Shaped Box. Those were the four nominees for yep. Video of the Year. Yep. I mean, really, it's just any one of them would be great. Yeah, for sure. I man. honestly might give it to R.E.M. But I love that, that Sabotage video. That R.E.M. video, man. And you're correct that it won none of the uh, five nominations. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was up for something called Viewer's Choice. It must have been voted. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Aerosmith crying won that as well. Weird. Viewer's <laughs> Choice in 1984, Aerosmith beats out Beastie Boys. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Crazy times 25 yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, all right. So there you have it. 25 years ago this week, Beastie Boys Ill Communication debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Okay. Any parting words? I mean, Katie. I didn't even talk about the fact that I was paparazziing Chrissy Teigen <laughs> and Baby Luna at John Legend's concert at the Hollywood Bowl on Saturday. Uh, did you go say <laughs> hi to, to I didn't. Chrissy and Luna? No, people did though. Like people like really swarmed her box. Actually, really? Oh, that's so she inappropriate. She was sitting in one of the like stage side boxes, and I, I read an article. LA Times had an article that said that Baby Miles was there, who's like one, and I did not see a baby. I don't know. I'm not calling the LA Times liars, but I did not see this child. Maybe they had him backstage with a nanny or something. But Luna was like out at the concert, dancing to all the songs, went up on stage with her dad, like in in his arms and danced around to green light. It was real cute. Wow. Yeah. It was very fun. But the show itself was great too. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. I love going to the bowl. It was, um, it was like half an orchestra, Hollywood bowl orchestra show and half. And then John Legend played the entire his entire set with the orchestra. Oh, so it was kind of a longer show yeah, than normal. Yeah, the orchestra did like 45 minutes, and then there was an intermission, and then John Legend came out and did 18 songs and an encore with so, the orchestra after that. It's like a full hour and a half, two-hour show. Yeah, it was sweet. God, wow. Yeah. Yeah, if, if uh, those listening, if you ever get a chance to come to Los Angeles and you're here and you're like, oh, oh what should we do? got to go to the bowl. Try to go to the Hollywood Bowl and see a show, even if it's just like a Tuesday night and it's jazz night or a classical night on Thursday or something. Yep. It's just, it's, it's an amazing experience outdoors. It's a beautiful amphitheater. It's historic and iconic. You've seen it in movies. It's just beautiful. Yep, it's a perfect night. Okay, so what song should we go out on? Oh. A John uh, Legend song? Yeah, sure. I, lo- I mean, I love John Legend, obviously. Um, let's go out on Greenlight. I love that song. All right, see you guys next time. Bye. I just need permission, so give me the green Give me just one Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.